Good morning, Crossroads. Would you welcome our Shelby campus and Lexington campus and those joining us online? Can we give them a hand? Uh, we hope you're having a great morning there in Shelby and Lexington, and we're glad to have you as well. It's good to be here. I love that song that we sang, We Have a Hope That Allows Us to Stand. You know, sometimes it feels like we're just sinking, doesn't it? Sometimes it feels like we just can't stand, our knees are, are feeble, our feet are weak. But in Christ, we have a hope that allows us to stand, even in adversity, even in difficulty. We have, we have a Christ, a Savior, that, that fortifies the foundation of our lives and gives us reason to stand when we don't feel like we can stand. And so aren't you thankful for that hope that we have, that hope in Christ alone? Uh, you know, one of the things that we love to do here at Crossroads is invite world-class leaders and fantastic communicators of God's Word to come and join us. And one of the things that we do at the beginning of the fall launch for specifically our communities, but also for our fall launch in kind of the church season, is to bring a speaker in to encourage us, to challenge us, uh, to be able to, to help us see differently what God is calling us to be as a church. And a little less than a year ago, Pastor Doug Taylor, our Park Avenue campus pastor, uh, who oversees also our communities, he came to me and said, hey, I got a speaker for next year I love for us to get. It's a man that he knew from uh, when they lived in Fredericksburg, Virginia, uh, a guy by the name of Dr. Drew Landry. And so we began to make the plans to, to bring Dr. Drew to come join us. And uh, Dr. Drew Landy, Landry, he pastors a great church in Fredericksburg, Virginia uh, called Spotswood Baptist Church, a church uh, with great impact in that community and known for its biblical teaching and gospel centeredness. And uh, we're thrilled to have him with us. He has a Master of Divinity degree from uh, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary and then a Doctorate of Ministry from New Orleans Theological Seminary. He's been married to his sweetheart, Judy, and they have two daughters, Laura and Meredith, and a grandson who you're going to hear about uh, named Kaysen. And so we're so thrilled to have him come and, and join us and share with us what God has laid on his heart about how we can launch it in this season uh, in the right way and for the right purpose. So would you give a warm crossroads welcome across every campus the Dr. Drew Landry. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it, Dave. And let me give you the truth behind that. When it comes to a world-class speaker, somebody who is really making an impact, they couldn't get him. So you guys are just stuck with me. It's, it, I had a blast last night with the folks who were here. I'm looking forward to having a great time with you and God's Word. Uh, with the folks at Shelby and Lexington. I appreciate Pastor Doug in, in initiating that, that contact and that invitation. And uh, I, I asked Pastor Dave where he was this morning, and I found out that after last night he was fired. So <laughs> I'm serious. It really, no. The, the Family Portrait Series, as your pastor mentioned, I think there's a picture floating around of, of my wife and myself somewhere, but I wanted you to see a picture of the most important person, at least in this season, in our family, and it's a picture of our grandson, Kaysen. Isn't he cute? Okay, you didn't get that. Isn't he cute? Thank you. Yeah, don't clap, throw money. My wallet's empty, but I, that's his first day of three-year-old preschool. And when you're that cute, you see the picture on the right? <laughs> you can do that. <laughs> and you look even cuter. I'm going to actually use that as the background for our entire time together. I, I, I love that picture. 
Uh, I was, Judy and I, we were together in New Orleans this past week with our, our daughter and our grandson. I had the privilege of speaking in chapel down there on Tuesday. And I, I found some things out about that little guy that I didn't know. If he's awake, his feet and his mouth are moving the entire time. And I also found out what a three-year-old is. A three-year-old is a two-year-old with a year's experience. <laughs> wow. You have your Bibles this morning. Find Hebrews chapter 5. If you're using something electronic as I do, just make sure you got that on silent, vibrate, or, or airplane mode. And if you're in Shelby and, or Lexington, you can use it as your phone and turn it up as loud as you want to. It won't bother us. Question. How many of you have a friend or a family member or a classmate or, or a coworker? Uh, maybe even a spouse or a child that does not attend church. Let me see. R raise your hand. Okay, great. How many of you wouldn't raise your hand in church no matter what I ask you to do? Okay, good. We got that out of the way, so you're good to go for the rest of the time. I, I serve in a Southern Baptist church, and we have a couple of mission entities in our denomination. Our North American Mission Board did a study just a couple of years ago, and here's what they found out. 90% of those people that we know that do not attend church, they would come if we would just ask them. Why do I mention that? I, I, I'm going to guess a, a lot of you who are part of Crossroads week after week after week, somebody invited you to come. And, and once you came... You met people that maybe you live next to or work with. You kind of had that. I didn't know you came here. And, and then you begin to make friends. And, and, and one of the reasons why we, we stay connected to a local church is we've got friendships and, and we've got relationships. And it really doesn't matter the size of the church. If it's 2,200, 2,000, 5,000, 10,000. Here's something I want you to think about. You do not need to be connected to everyone, but you do need to be connected to someone. And I know some of you here in this room, you're not connected to anybody at Crossroads. And if you're curious, how does he know that? Because I'm just that smart. That's how I know that. No, it's, it's, it's true of the church that I pastor. It's true of every church. You, you kind of just slip in and, and anonymous, and then you slip out, and, and you go through those challenging seasons of life, and you begin to wonder, what am I missing? You're missing those crucial relationships. You're, you're missing those friendships that you need to have when you're connected to other people in a local body of believers. You curious why I'm here? I'm curious why I'm here. Let me tell you why, why I'm here. I want you to do something. Get connected to a community, a community group here at Crossroads. You're going to hear me say that over and over and over again this morning. Your staff, your leadership, they value those communities. They value 
those community groups. It's, it's part of the DNA of Crossroads. It's part of the DNA of the church where I pastor. And, and, and I know, I've already found out from Doug, you don't leave that up to chance here at Crossroads. You, you plan for it in advance. You, you have tremendous curriculum. It, it's already been mentioned, but I'm going to mention it again. Before you leave today, stop in that next steps area and pick up one of those catalogs and look at all the... When I got mine in the mail, I was so excited. I signed up for three of them. It's going to be hard for me to attend regularly, but it's fantastic. I did a little research on your church and incredible. 2017 to 18, the number of people involved in these communities, it doubled. Now, there are a lot of pastors, and, and there are staff of churches who would take a look at that and say, well, you know, we're doing pretty good and kind of sit back and coast and rest. But that is not the heart of your pastor. That's not the heart of the leadership here. They've started making this plan. There's a staff person responsible for Pastor Dunn, I asked him last night, you know that guy that's out there, if he created it? He didn't have anything to do with it. Don't let him know that. I'll let you know that. But when you put that together, it just draws people in to say, I, I've got to get in one of these communities. I, I've got to get in one of these community groups. You see, what you value changes what you do. What you value drives what you do. And there are so many passages in the Old and New Testament that I could have taught from this morning, but I just kind of felt drawn to this passage in Hebrews chapter 5, and this kind of, for me, is the why behind the what. I'm going to pick up at verse 11. The writer of the book of Hebrews, the Spirit's moving his heart and mind, and he writes, concerning him, which obviously is a, a reference to Jesus, we have much to say. It's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you, you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes of only milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness because he's an infant. Solid food is for the mature. No one knows everything that you need to know about the person and work of Jesus Christ. No one knows everything that you need to know about God's Word. In fact, the gospel writer John, at the end of his gospel, he, he, he kind of thinks back on all he saw Jesus do and all he heard, and he, he, he writes a statement similar to this, that if, if, if we wrote down everything that Jesus said and, and everything that Jesus did, the world itself couldn't contain all of those books. So the burden that the writer of the book of Hebrews has is to make sure that no follower of the person of Jesus Christ, you see this toward the end of verse 11, no follower of the person of Jesus Christ becomes dull of hearing. A couple of questions that I want to ask you this morning. The first question is this. Do I know more today about Jesus than I did yesterday? 
That, that phrase that you read, elementary principles, that's basically the, the alphabet. Evidently, there were some believers that just needed to start completely over. That phrase, the oracles of God, you've read the book of Hebrews, I've read the book of Hebrews. Sometimes it's a little difficult to understand because there are so many passages in that book from the Old Testament. There's a lot of Old Testament theology. This book was written specifically to those who were Jews who put their faith not in the law or everything that they had as far as rules are concerned. They put their faith in the person of Jesus Christ and that relationship was so liberating. But evidently, they started slipping back to maybe instead of just being in this relationship, there's some things that I need to start doing. And we don't know who the writer of the book of Hebrews was, but we know that God spoke through him. And he reminds those believers, and because God's word is a conversation, it's as relevant in the 21st century as it was in the first century. We're not going to know what we need to know about a relationship with the person of Jesus Christ. We're not going to know what we need to know about the Word of God if we neglect being part of a group of people, a small group of people who are studying God's Word. I'm going to get you to repeat a phrase with me. It's easy to neglect if I do not connect. Would you repeat that with me? It's easy to neglect if I do not connect. Connect. Now, one more time as if you were awake. It's easy to neglect if I do not connect. Get connected to one of these communities, one of these community groups here at Crossroads. Here's the second question I want to ask you this morning. Do I need to be honest and admit that I'm moving in the wrong direction? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ... What direction are you moving? Verse 12, have you come to need milk? An, an, an infant's born with a need for milk. All of us in, that, in this room know that. And you look at verse 13, you see something along the lines that there are certain followers of Jesus Christ who are not accustomed to this word of righteousness. The, the phrase there, being not accustomed to, it's, it's interesting what that phrase kind of means. It, it means that, that you're inexperienced. It, it means that you're unskilled or unprepared. Not, not just referring to the Word of God, but, but life. I remember years ago, I heard Tony Evans speaking at a Promise Keepers meeting, and what Tony Evans said is that every one of us we're either right now in a storm or, or we're just coming out of a storm or we're about to walk into a storm. Are you prepared for that? H have the experiences of your life in relationships with people who are followers of Jesus Christ has that impacted you in such a way that when you find yourself in a storm, that your life's not going to fall to pieces? Think about this. If I am moving in the wrong direction spiritually, I am not being prepared biblically to mature through the challenges of life. Listen, I, I'm, a, I'm a little bit older 
than your pastor. I, I know I hide it well, and you find that hard to believe, but I, I'm a little bit older. There's never been anything happen in my life that's not addressed in God's Word. If you're in a storm right now, there, there's nothing going on in your life that's not addressed in God's Word. I grew up in South Louisiana, and we had hurricanes. And, and the time to prepare for the hurricane is before it hits. You just you can't take God's word when you're in a storm and just drop it on the desk and hope it's going to automatically pop open to exactly what you need to go through that storm. You you got to prepare for the storm before it hits. And and, and I've realized in three decades of, of ministry. Don't miss this. I'm learning today what I will need tomorrow. Let me tell you something about my grandson that you don't know. When he was born, there was a problem with his heart. Now, for some reason, during the pregnancy, they didn't catch that. And, and after he was born and all of the excitement that we had of, that's our first grandson. He, his breathing was so labored. You're holding him and he's just. <laughs> and, and our daughter called the pediatrician in and, and she said, there's something wrong. You know, pediatricians, any pediatricians in the room today? Probably should have asked that earlier. Note to self for the next. What about Shelby Lexington? Give a big offering. So, and as the pediatrician comes in, first time mom, he's fine, don't worry about it. But, and my daughter was persistent, and she finally just kept a nurse in the room. And, and the nurse began to realize something's not right. I mean, can you imagine your first child? Grandchild? And they thought it was a lung issue, and they misdiagnosed him, put him in the ICU, and did some things that it's a miracle he lived through that. The first 24 hours of his life, absolute miracle. Moved him to Children's Hospital in New Orleans, and one of those world-renowned surgeons did open-heart surgery on him before he was two weeks old. At that point in his life, his heart was about the size of a walnut. Because they needed to be able to see if anything was going to bleed, they left his chest open, and they put this clear plastic over his chest. Can you imagine a first-time mom walking in that cardiac intensive care, and she can't hold her son? See, there were things that God taught me and Judy, things that we'd passed on to our daughter as she grew up. None of us knew this was going to happen. None of us saw that storm coming. But, but we realized there were things all along the way that God was teaching us. And he, listen, it wasn't teaching that took place in isolation. Our 
organization on Sunday morning looks a little different than what takes place here. Our, our, our campus, we are able to have groups while our worship time takes place. And since I do all three worships, I can't be in a, and we call them connect groups. I can't be in a connect group. So there's one that meets at our house, and we meet together on Tuesday evenings. And it's kind of like the secret group because, you know, if people find out that the pastor has a group at his house and he didn't ask me to be in the group, and people will come to you and say, why didn't you ask me to be in the group? Well, I'll be glad to tell you why. No, I... <laughs> Since we weren't prepared for what we were about to go through, we had to fly back home from New Orleans. And when we got back to our house, we pulled into our driveway and our yard was mowed. And all the mulch was redone. And we got into our house and it was spotless. And opened up the door in the refrigerator and there were these meals that were already prepared with instructions that all we had to do was heat them up and eat. Who did that? Our connect group did that. They were, they were so closely in tune with us. They didn't call and ask, what do you want us to do? Because usually when a person calls and says, what do you want me to do? That's telling you, I don't really know you. They knew us. Mike and Margaret or a couple of other friends, Mike works at the Pentagon, D.C. When they were stationed in Germany, they had a daughter born with incredible physical challenges. And she died while they were over there. Mike and Margaret brought me and Judy to the airport in D.C. And all the way on that drive, Mike and Margaret were telling us what we needed to know. They were preparing us for what might happen. And they ministered to our souls in ways that I don't have the vocabulary or cognitive ability to explain. What, what they learned through that season of life, they were teaching their pastor and his wife as we went through that season of life. So what, I, what I'm learning to, nobody gives you this heads up. What, what I'm learning today, it, it's, it's getting me ready for what's coming tomorrow, and none of us know what's coming tomorrow. That's why it's so important. Please hear it again. Get connected to a community group. Get connected to one of those communities here at Crossroads. Please. I want to give you four personal thoughts why I believe community groups and communities are so biblically important. You might want to jot these down. Number one, I, I must be intentional if I'm going to mature spiritually. You see, part of what happens in that maturation process spiritual is you have to engage your will. And no one can engage your will but you. Your pastor can't do that. The leader of the, I can't do that for you. You have to engage your will. And these communities, they are so important for helping you as a believer mature. Listen, it was Jesus who talked about making disciples. And what you see in the New Testament is disciples make disciples. They don't sit in a room and listen to a sermon, even though this is a pretty incredible sermon. Wouldn't you agree? Thanks a lot. We need more coffee in here. 
We learn best in circles, not in rows. And that's one of the reasons why here at Crossroads, whether it's on this campus or, or Shelby or Lexington, that's one of the reasons why for men, it's pretty intimidating when we talk about getting connected in one of these communities. Because men, what we like to do is stuff side by side. That's safe. I hope to get back to playing golf sometime this month. It's interesting. They put the seat in the golf cart side by side. There's not one facing forward and another one facing backwards. Because as men, we don't like to look each other in the eye. It's intimidating. When men get together to work, hey, would you come over to my house and help me paint? Sure, I don't have to look at you while I'm painting with you. It's side by side. And you talk about being in a circle for men? Eh, I don't know. Being in a circle for ladies, you heard the story. Y'all are kind of like spaghetti, and I'm not even going to get into that this morning. That's just. But you build relationships. There's time for prayer. And then other things happen kind of as a result of the relationships, getting coffee and maybe another prayer time. But what I love is how the connections in our groups, people start serving off campus. It, it, God has given us favor in Spotswood in our community in a season. I, I don't know why he's done it, but we're trying to take advantage of the, the schools in our county are open to our church. And you've probably heard, well, Christians can't get on the campuses of public schools. That's not true. It's not the teachers, it's not the administration, it's not the school board, it's not the county that keep Christians off the campuses of public schools. It's Christians who will not volunteer to serve on the campus of public schools that keeps Christians off of those campuses. Boy, it got quiet in here. We have relationships now when there's a need at the school, they call us. And, and we're on, there's one school, it's one that I partner with, each one of our pastors have a responsibility, Hugh Mercer Elementary School. And one of the needs they have is called breakfast buddies. You know, they're just some kids in challenging situations, so they want adults to come and, and just read with those children early in the morning when they get to school. So when we were getting this whole thing off the ground, we just asked a real simple question. What can we read to those children? You know what the leadership said? <laughs> Whatever y'all want to. <laughs> what? So you know exactly what our people are bringing to those early morning breakfast time in reading with those children. And the school where I am, it's kindergarten through second grade. There's a third through fifth grade. Some of those second graders have moved up, and it's credible. A, a couple of our senior adult ladies caught me in the hallway and said, hey, we're, we, we got promoted to the upper elementary school. I'm like, what? That child that they were working with went from second to third grade, and they're just following them through. See, there's something that I believe in, and we do it with our own children. You can disciple children to faith in the person of Jesus Christ. You can early start pointing them, and parents do this, pointing them to the person of Jesus Christ. And once they meet him personally, then you begin discipling them after the person of Jesus Christ. It's all moving in a Christward direction. And we're able to do that on the campuses of the public schools. That's incredible. Only God can do that. But I see it happening through those relationships in our connect groups. 
Second thing, just a thought as to why. I really believe one way for me to honor God is by maturing spiritually. If you don't believe that, don't write that down. I love something Rick Warren said. Salvation is God's gift to me. What I do with my salvation is my gift to God. There's a lot of meat to unpack there. And every person here in this room, you know, if something's alive, is growing. Wife and I moved this past December. Stairs are just no longer our friend. A young man in our church that has a lawn business, and the, the house hadn't been lived in for about a year, and the, the lawn was a train wreck. And so I got Adam to come and work on the yard, quite a financial investment. And July, I don't know about here in Mansfield, but where I live, it's hot and it's dry. There, there was no rain for weeks. Have you ever noticed that regardless of how hot and dry it is, the weeds always grow? And I know I didn't pay this young man to plant weeds in my yard. At least he better not have planted weeds in my yard. Can you make the connection spiritually? We all go through dry seasons. Jeremiah 17 talks about that. Psalm 1. And when we go through those dry seasons, our roots are down deep, and yes, that nourishment comes, but you need people around you that you can call on in one of those dry seasons to help you move in the right direction. If, if you don't have those relationships in a community group, I think the danger is you're going to start moving backwards and you're going to come to need milk instead of meat. A third of those whys, when, when I struggle as a believer, do, do pastors struggle as believers? Absolutely. I, I need to know someone who's, who's struggled with the same temptation, the, the same sin that I'm struggling with because I can learn from their experience how to mature through that struggle bi biblically. It's highly unlikely that you're going to meet that person in this room in a row. But in a group, in a circle, you'll probably meet that person. Because over time, what happens in those groups is it becomes a safe place. And it fills that longing that I think God put in our heart for community. All of us need someone to pray for us. All of us need someone to encourage us, to love us, to bear our burdens with us. That happens in those community groups. I look around our campus and our auditorium as senior pastor. A lot of times what jumps in my brain is there are people in the room that have no memory of anyone praying for them in a long, long time. No, no recent memory of someone who just loved them and, and someone who just put their arms around them and said, hey, I, I know you're struggling. I'm with you. And I know I, you've heard this. I've heard this. Well, you know, religion is a private matter. Think about this. I will not let the adversary nor this culture fool me into thinking spiritual issues are a private matter. 
when you read the New Testament, you're going to find the word together in the New Testament almost 120 times. When, when you read the New Testament, you're going to find the phrase one another about 100 times. And it's Jesus and Paul who used the word together and the phrase one another the majority of the time in the New Testament. You cannot do together or one another all by yourself or in a crowd. You do that in a community. You do that in a group. You see, I, I'm of the conviction that where we are in the 21st century in the body of Christ, we need to hear those words from Jesus all over again when Jesus said, love one another just as I have loved you. How are you going to do that if you're not together? How are you going to do that if you're not in a one another relationship? Quick question. How many of you in the room had children who, who played sports when they were growing up? Maybe it was Parks and Rec, Little League, I don't know. Maybe they were in band or in the scouts. They were in some club or some organization. My, my youngest is real athlete in our family. She did soccer and she did softball. Our oldest is the academician. She did swimming, cheerleading, ballet, painting, underwater basket weaving. You, she tried it all. You have a kid that did that? You did? Yeah. As parents, we were expected to take our turn bringing snacks or bringing drinks or helping coordinate those practices or, or helping with the equipment. Everybody was expected to participate. And here we are. As the body of Christ... Are there to be no expectations? In, in my humble but expert opinion, our expectations should be just a little bit higher than soccer or the school band. So if you're already in one of those communities, one of those community groups, great. If you're a leader, thank you. Keep maturing. Keep moving in the right direction. And if you're not in one of those community groups, you got an option today. Right through those doors, that next step area, there's a catalog. You can have a conversation with someone. You can read through it. You can sign up on the web. You can sign up on your app. Volunteers out there, you're here today. And you really need to take a next step that begins a relationship with Jesus Christ, but you don't know how to do that. There are people out there that'll answer every question that you have. Shelby, Lexington, there are people that will help you. But, but you gotta go. You see, here's the thing about those volunteers. They're great volunteers, but they can't read your mind. They don't know what's going on in here, and they don't know what's going on in here. And maybe you're kind of questioning, there's something going on in here. It's weird. I don't know what it is. That's called the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. You see, John 6, Jesus said, you can't come to God unless he calls you. you. See, it's incredible. That's how much God loves you. He's inviting you to take that step and begin a relationship with him.
And I talk to people all the time. You think you've gone so far away from God that what you got to do is work your way all the way back. <laughs> That's a lie from hell. It doesn't matter how far you feel you are from God today. What you'll learn is he's been pursuing you the entire time. And when you'll stop being selfish, doing things that are just stupid in life, and turn and take that first step biblically, that's called repentance. When you change your mind about who Jesus is, God will change the direction of your life. When you take that first step back toward him, you'll find he's right there. That might be what you need to do today. found this a couple years ago. Carnegie Institute did some research, and they found out that 90% of people who fail in life, they fail because they can't get along with other people. Now, I don't have any research, but, but I wonder if those in verse 12 who have actually come to need milk do not mature as a follower of Jesus Christ because they are not connected with other believers. So where I started is where we'll finish. Please, get connected. Get involved. Get engaged to a community group here at Crossroads, Park Avenue campus, Shelby, Lexington. Get connected to one of those community groups. Let's pray. Bow your heads. Close your eyes, please. Shelby, Lexington, join us. Father, I thank you for encouraging us and confronting us through the truth of your word. And God, I know there, there are hundreds of people here in this room who are, who are watching. Who, they're in community groups. They're, they're connected. But God, I know that there are some here and some at the other campuses who are not. Would you just allow your spirit to move in their heart and just encourage them and invite them to get connected? Be part of the family. No matter how intimidating that circle might be, none of us were experts the first time we did anything. We had to take the step. I don't know you, you don't know me, but I want to ask a question in this time of prayer with your head bowed and eyes closed. Shelby Lexington, same thing there. If you're a leader, you're involved in a community group, and you've already made a plan for what's going to happen in your life this fall, you're registered and you're ready to roll, would you just slip up your hand? Nobody's watching. It's just me and you and God, the Holy Spirit. Let me see. Just slip up your hand. Thanks. Great. Good. Now, here's the hard question. This is between you and God and me and you. Nobody else is watching. You're not involved in a community. You're not involved in one of those community groups. Never have been. Park Avenue, Shelby, Lexington. Would you be willing this morning to say, Pastor, would you pray for me because I really need to be in one of those communities, one of those community groups. Would you just slip up your hand? Would you do that? Thank you. Thank you. Great. Thanks. Thank you. Shelby, Lexington, thanks. God, there are people here in this room who did one of the hardest things they've ever done in a public worship time.
They slipped their hand up and said, I need to get connected. I need community. That God, you put us together that way, God. Now, the easy thing for those who slipped up their hand because nobody saw them, I know, Father, is just to walk right out. So what I want to pray for you this morning is that you wouldn't walk out, but you'd walk to that next step area. You'd pick up one of those guides, and you'd have a conversation. I promise you, those people there love you. They want to help you. And, and I believe that God will position you so that what you, what you learn today, you're going to use tomorrow, not only in your own life, but in the lives of other people. just want to encourage you. God, let your Holy Spirit guide one step after the other. When they walk out of this room before they hit the doors in the parking lot, there's a stop. And God, would you design those conversations to be fruitful? Would you design them to be encouraging? Now, there's one other question I want to ask you with our head bowed and eyes closed. You're here today, and you need to take that step of faith. You're not a follower of Jesus Christ. You don't have the relationship. Oh, you can keep the rules. You know what it's supposed to look like at church, but that relationship's just not there. Would you be willing to slip up your hand and say, Pastor, would you, would you pray for me? I don't have that relationship. Not only here on this campus, but the other campuses. Would you slip up your hand? Father, I don't know the spiritual condition of every heart in this room, but you do. And I thank you. Out of the millions and millions of things that you have going on in the universe right now, you invited every one of us to be in this room this hour. And your spirit has spoken to every heart here on this campus, Shelby and Lexington. And God, now the challenge comes because it's our opportunity to speak with our lives. And oh, how I pray that you will be glorified from this body of believers moving towards spiritual maturity, making disciples for your glory and your glory alone. In Jesus' name.